and welcome to 256 Daily, the show that brings you up to speed with all things that went down in daily print newspaper. Don't miss exclusive commentaries from our seasoned analysts as they break down the headlines in current affairs, politics, business, and all things making round in mainstream media. Available only on Cool Bar Podcast via Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and every podcast platform. The 256 Daily. Start your day and stay in the know. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 256 Daily. This is the show where we give you a roundup of what's making rounds in daily print newspapers. In today's episode, I'm going to start with a new vision and it has a cover page story which reads nomination rules tight. They also have quite a number of stories making rounds here. More to be cleared for presidential race. Improved tax revenue has led to infrastructure expansion. This is something that's sort of a missive that comes from President Museveni. Government in Talks with Dodo over Endeavor Church Land. Sickle cell patients get new drug. And the last story in today's headlines of the new vision is EU awaits election observers invite. So yeah, the Electoral Commission is supposed to invite the European Union. And the European Union is just sitting and waiting on that invitation. We shall see the details that follow in that. And rolling over to the Daily Monitor, we have a cover page story which reads EC sets tight rules for nominations kickoff. So this is pretty much the same as the new vision. And we have a cover page story here which also reads Museveni's 2021 agenda as he eyes 40 years in power. And we have a roundup of what's making rounds in other places. Ivory Coast opposition boycott elections as Alasana Owatare seeks a third term. And Tanzania, they give you a detailed account of how the elections went down in Tanzania. So we are going to start off with uh, the cover page story of the new vision, nomination rules tight. So in this story, they try to reveal that more candidates will be cleared for the presidential race. Out of these is uh, Nobat Mao, who submitted signatures and is still awaiting to be confirmed. So the Electoral Commission is working around the clock to make sure that all those who submitted signatures will get verified and they will be confirmed. Out of the 83 aspirants who picked the forms, only 23 of those have returned them. Signatures of those who have been verified are 10 and 13 of those who have submitted are pending. So all aspirants should have COVID-19 certificates taken within a period of not less than 72 hours in order for them to access the premises of nomination. Museveni was nominated on Monday at 10 a.m. Henry Tumukunde nominated at 1 p.m. And John Katumba was slated to be nominated at 2 p.m. Bobby Wine will be nominated today and uh, this will go down at 10 a.m. Nobat Mao will be nominated also today on Tuesday at 1 p.m. And he has 90% of the signatures he submitted verified with the 10% pending. So we are yet to see how no but my affairs with this. FDC aspirant Amriat Oboy is going to be accompanied with 20 people. And this doubles the permitted number of the 10 people that the electoral commissions selected. <laughs> but we are yet to see how this plays down because Ibrahim Semjunga and the Secretary General of FDC is claiming that they are supposed to go 20 people, so we might expect some chaos there. And uh, Electoral Commission spokesperson Paul Bukenya says, 
All candidates will be given a chance to speak to the media after nominations so they can give a pinch of what their manifestos are for the people. Campaigns will be held from November 10th up to January 8th and elections will kick off on February 8th. So we have quite a period of one month from when campaigns stop up to when elections actually go down. You should all remember that the requirement for someone to be nominated is 100 signatures from 98 districts, which represents two-thirds of the electoral districts of the country. So out of the 146 districts, a candidate has to submit 100 signatures from 98 of these districts, and they are supposed to pay a fee of 20 million shillings, which is the nomination fee, and this is non-refundable. Going on here on page 5, we have a story which says improved tax revenue has led to infrastructure development. So this is a missive that was published by President Museveni, and he reveals that tax collection stands at 21 trillion every year. So the URA is doing a great job when it comes to that. I think that comes to about at least 50% of the budget that they pass. Okay, so we hope to see the tax revenues increase. And uh, he said this during the commissioning of the Musita Road in Mayuge, where 104 kilometers of tarmac was flagged off. So during this ceremony, uh, Rebecca Kadaga and uh, Esther Mbayo, the Minister for Presidency, and quite other dignitaries who serve in the cabinet from Busoga sub-region were available during this event. But you should all remember that in September 16th, September 16th, 2020, the Minister of Works published a report and this revealed that Uganda stands at 5,398 kilometers of paved road. And with this, Buganda takes the lion's share, Buganda sub-region takes the lion's share at 1,594 kilometers. Ankole comes second with 569 kilometers. Acholi stands at 521 kilometers. Busoga sub-region comes in fifth place with 254 kilometers of paved road. Elgon region, which is the hailing place of the Imbalu. Yes, I know a lot of friends who subscribe to the Vagisu tribe, but they haven't yet gone for the Embalu celebration. So if you see them, please just point to the elders. <laughs> they have to go through that, uh, you know, rite of passage. But anyways, uh, Elgon region has 222 kilometers of paved road and Teso region has about 216 kilometers. So West Nile comes in with 214 kilometers, Bukedi sub-region 197 kilometers, and Lango is the second last region when it comes to having paved roads with uh, tarmac, and this stands at uh, 151 kilometers. And then lastly, Karamoja is the least developed region when it comes to having tarmac paved roads, and it stands at 163 kilometers. So this is how the infrastructure development has fared for this term. I think I think uh, since Buganda has the capital city, it's just expected that they would take the lion's share. But you can see there that Ankole sub-region comes in second. So you can really see how the national cake is being shared among the tribal groups and sub-regions. Uh, much as President Museveni says he's not really tribal, but we can see that development is really shifting towards Ankole region with having the most paved roads. Anyways, that's for another day. But uh, going on here, we have another story which said government in talks with Dodo over the Ndeba church land. So Jodoviko Mwanje, who is the businessman alongside uh, Tebiasa, Tebiasa was the lawyer representing the person who is the purported owner of the land. And as the case proceeded, the Minister for Lands, Betty Kamia, has 
summoned uh, Tebiasa and all other stakeholders in this to be able to surrender that land to to the to the government such that they can uh, possess it under law. So the law she's quoting here is uh, compulsory acquisition in accordance with section 3 subsection 1 of the Land Acquisition Act Cap 226. So under this law the government can possess this land and uh, it's possessing it in regards to having to put it to use for public use. So Jodoviko Mwanje uh, is still under custody and under his company Ephraim Enterprises. He hired court bailiffs to demolish the church on August 9th and 10th from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. So quite a number of people were arrested, including officials from KCCA and uh, a lot of constables from Uganda Police Force. So this has been a scandal that's been making headlines, and that's the update about the story. Going on, we have a story here which says sickle cell patients get new drug. So the drug that the patients are getting is called hydroxyurea, and this has been introduced in six national referral hospitals, which include Ginger, Gulu, Mbale, Lira, Soroti, and Mulago Hospital. Uh, this was revealed by Dr. Bob Opoka, and the medicine is proven to reduce 80% pain in sickle cell patients. And uh, the tablet of this medicine goes for about 1,500 shillings. However, plans are underway to make it cheaper. And uh, this is being uh, brokered by Novartis, which is a Swiss pharmaceutical company that wants to set up operation and manufacture this drug at a subsidized price to be able to make it accessible to the public at a very affordable price. And uh, statistics also reveal that uh, out of the 15,000 database patients who have sickle cell anemia, 6,000 of them are active patients in the national referral hospitals. And Uganda has a sickle cell population which stands at about 13.3%. And distributed region-wise, uh, 17% is in the central region, 21% is in the mid to northern region, and 3% is from the western region. So the western region is the least affected when it comes to people living with sickle cells. And the statistics also go on to reveal that about 33,000 babies are born with sickle cells, and of which 80% die before getting to age 5. So this is a very high mortality rate, and we hope that this drug will try to help and curb this shortcoming. Okay, so going on, this is the last story which has been profiled here in the headlines, and it says European Union is awaiting election observers' invite. So the Electoral Commission's spokesperson, Bukenya, said that they are not going to send an, inv an invitation to the European Union. However, he said the European Union was summoned through the Minister of Foreign Affairs, but the EU ambassador to Uganda, that would be Mr. Pacifici, he's an Italian delegate, he said that he expects for them to receive an official invitation to play a role of being a non-partisan observer in the elections that are going to be undertaken in February. So he says that... Uh, if they don't really get this invitation, then he cannot really see how they can play the role of being observers. And here they give uh, an account of how the elections went down in 2016. And the European Union in its report said that having observed the elections, they had fallen short of free and fair minimum standards. So we are yet to see how that plays out. But this was actually revealed during the inauguration ceremony of the new executive of the Uganda Parliamentary Press Association. That would be Mr. Moses Mulondo. So during this function, that's when there was this exchange 
between the EU foreign minister uh, with the electoral commission spokesperson. And we are yet to see how uh, this will play out if the EC will actually send out the invitation to the European Union or they will sit this out and actually not play any role in observing the elections that are going to take place in February. Okay, so going on, we have the Daily Monitor here and it has a cover page story which reads... EC, which is the Electoral Commission, sets tight rules as nominations kick off. Okay, so these are the rules that we have uh, gone through in the new vision. It's the main highlight of the day. And of course, within these rules is uh, a group of not more than 10 people and a maximum of three vehicles escorting the candidate, having taken a COVID-19 test in not less than 72 hours, and quite a number of other stringed rules that have been put in place. So we are yet to see how everything plays out when Robert Chagulani Sentamu, the NUP candidate, gets to the nomination grounds in Chambogo. I hope uh, the city will be calm, but we are yet to see quite a lot of traffic and chaos that will unfold with tear gas. So you might want to prepare yourself and take a route which is safe from this chaos if you're going to the city. Okay, so um, going on, we have another story here which tries to examine the account and it is headlined that uh, Museveni's 2021 agenda as he eyes 40 years in power. So this is trying to break down the different manifestos that the NRM has been making since 1996 and up to date, which promises have been kept, which promises are they keeping on to postpone? So uh, from 1996 to 2001, they came under the theme consolidating the achievements. And in 2001 to 2006, they came under the theme prosperity for all. And from 2006 to 2011, the NRM came with a highlight which read better service delivery and job creation. And from 2011 to 2016, uh, they came under the theme taking Uganda to modernity through job creation and inclusive development. And 2016 to 2021, the focus was on infrastructure and middle-income status. But uh, I think if you ask any experts in the field of economics and livelihoods, I don't really think the middle-income status was attained. Uh, it was rather postponed that when they start exploring the oil, by 2024, that's when probably they are yet to see the fruits of Uganda being catapulted into middle-income status. But time will tell. And with the passing of the different city status for Jinja, Mbale, Gulu, we are yet to see how this plays out and uh, how the middle income status indicators will actually play out with the population in general. So they have given a quite a big account examining the different manifestos and agendas. And to start with... Uh, the first highlight here is merging redundant government agencies and only maintain KCCA, UBOS, UNBS, UCC, and NMS. So, of course, KCCA is the Kampala City, Kampala Capital City Authority, and WUBOS is the Uganda Bureau of Statistics, UNBS is the Uganda National Bureau of Standards, and UCC is the Uganda Communications Commission, NMS is the National Medical Stores. So, we have about 60 agencies that are supposed to be disbanded, and this was actually hinted on in 2016 during the manifesto that there is a lot of duplication when it comes to public service delivery, but of course, a lot of experts here have given their view that 
trying to duplicate these roles is a way of trying to increase public spending and rewarding uh, cadres, you know, the NRM cadres. If someone is really a loyal supporter to the party, they always get a big slot somewhere as the head of this agency or that agency. So I had to see if uh, they will deliver on the promise, that's if they win this election anyways, uh, to make sure that all these 60 agencies will be disbanded or merged into the existing ministries that are here already. Okay, and then they try to look at also another highlight, which is fighting corruption, improving quality education, healthcare, and access to safe clean water. So this was a promise that was made in 1996 and is also coming back in 2020. So you can see how funny that is, uh, that in a space of all these years over I don't know, like 20 something years, nothing has been achieved yet as well. And they're still promising more of the same uh, after all these 24 or 25 years. But anyways, we are to see how everything plays out. So within this, uh, when it comes to the improved quality uh, education, they say that they want to build 258 secondary schools in sub-counties that do not have a public secondary schools. And when it comes to health, the manifesto states that they want to build uh, a cancer center in all the four regional referral hospitals. These are Arua, Jinja, Mbale, and uh, Kasese. So these national referral hospitals will have an extended cancer center because actually a lot of Ugandans are, are turning out to be suffering from different kinds of cancer, especially the women. So we are yet to see if this promise will be delivered. And when it comes to water, the plan is to drill 5,000 boreholes. Uh, so these are the boreholes that are actually powered by the human hands. Okay, that's a little bit laughable, but it's actually in the manifesto that they need to drill 5,000 boreholes in order to increase access to clean water. Okay, and about 2,060 solar-powered water encouragements, uh, which are sustainable to the environment. Okay. Man, when it comes to uh, clean water, I was thinking maybe piped water, access to piped water would be some sort of a viable kind of position, <laughs> but going back to 5,000 boreholes, which are pumped by the hand, uh, that's a little bit laughable there, but yeah, that's your government and it's in the manifesto. And when it comes to justice and equity, uh, they want to improve affirmative approach to special interest groups and representation through the SAGE, uh, SAGE program where they extend 25,000 shillings every month to the elderly. Uh, but if you ask me what 25,000 shillings does, I mean, it's a very small amount. I don't really think it really helps these elderly people in any way, but they want to actually slash it from 80 years to 60 years. Well, okay, that is the handout that the government plans to give to the elderly. That's if it will help them in any ways. I mean, think about it. What's 25,000 shillings going to do? And when it comes to land, they want to cancel all land titles and developments in wetlands and forest reserves. Well, if you also look at this, uh, when it comes to land reforms, uh, actually there is a book uh, which talks about the dormant capital. This book was written by Hernando de Soto. He's an economist from South America. And he actually examined that most of the poorest countries are sitting on dead capital. You know, so there should be a massive titling and parceling of land, which makes people have, you know, farm access to these 
assets and then they can always put it as collateral to access capital to develop themselves. So if we are to see something like commercialized agriculture, a lot of people have the land, but they don't have the documents to prove it. But of course, we know with the Ministry of Land and all processes having a lot of corruption, this could come with a very, very, very big, big, big kind of setback. So we are yet to see how that plays out, but uh, the land issue is very key in the manifesto, and I believe it's kind of the key to wealth, but its implementation still has a lot of questions. Anyways, going on to what's making rounds out and about, in Ivory Coast there was an election and the opposition boycotted this election and Alassana Owatare is seeking a third term for presidency but the opposition didn't actually participate in the election. So there's been a lot of protests going on from opposition supporters and uh, there is quite some fear that uh, the episodes may replay in 2010-2011 when 3,000 people died during protests of post-election violence. So uh, that's what's happening in Ivory Coast. And going on to Tanzania, there is a detailed account of how the election went down in Tanzania. The Chapata Mapenduzi party for Magufuli won the vote by 85%, uh, collecting about 12.5 million votes, while Tindu Lisu of the Chadema party got 13% of the vote, which is only 1.9 million votes. But this is one election that has really uh, come to the attention of international correspondents and analysts. It was mad with a lot of irregularities and the turn-up was very low, standing at about 50%. So only 14.8 million voters voted out of the 29 million registered voters. Even despite the fact that uh, the Tanzanian government said people who have passports and driving licenses would be able to vote on condition that those passports and driving licenses have names that match with the names on the voter register. But you see that over 50% of the population did not participate in this election. So we don't really know since there was a lot of suppression of the media. We can't really tell whether this was voter suppression in opposition stronghold areas, but uh, this was the result anyways. And the East African community has certified the results. However, the U.S. Embassy in Tanzania said that the landslide victory is very questionable. So that is their statement. But the ESC said, well, we recognize the results and they have certified them. And when it comes to the parliamentary elections in Tanzania, out of the 261 constituencies, the CCP, which is Chapa Chamapenduzi party, took over 253 seats. So you can see how they took even more than the required two-thirds majority. So the whole parliament is virtually for one political party with the opposition uh, taking up very few seats. Actually, if you see the difference between 61 and 53, they have uh, less than 10 seats. So <laughs> this is very laughable. Uh, if you look at uh, how the party would want to pass any laws, and we are yet to see, uh, but uh, John Magufuli, nicknamed the Bulldozer, has been running for the second term of office and has come under criticism uh, through stepping on people's rights when it comes to media freedoms, and he doesn't want any dissent in Tanzania, although he gets some credit for the dramatic uh, infrastructure development that has taken place if you look at the standard gauge railway and quite a number of other infrastructure projects which are very very ambitious but the business community when they reacted to the election and the policies of John Magufuli they say that taxes and the method of tax collection is very harsh and it leaves them with very very
very zero margins when it comes to for profitability. So John Magufuli, uh, uh, John Magufuli uh, has also been commended when it comes to negotiation of mining deals with foreign companies, making sure that Tanzania takes the lion's share in a stake. So some of the people have actually criticized this, that he's putting his country first, he's a nationalist, but others have said it really hurts the principles of, uh, of a free economy. So I had to see how this plays out for the next five years. Let's watch the space and see if the bulldozer bulldozes his way to a third term since he has more than two-thirds majority. Uh, you should also remember that the Chapa Chamapenduzi party has been in power since 1961 when Tanzania got its uh, independence. Okay, so that's all I had for you from today's episode of the 256 Daily. Thank you very much for listening and bye-bye. content from Kuba, find all content ranging from politics, technology, sports, entertainment, religion, and much more. Like our Facebook page, Kuba, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Kuba, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Kuba Media, download our podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget it's Kuba with a K and no spaces. Kuba, informative, captivating, and engaging.